We always said that church wasn't a building. Church was always a people, a movement, a kinetic force mobilized to change the world. I know we can't meet physically right now, but that doesn't mean we can't be the church. It doesn't mean we can't pray. It doesn't mean we can't sing. It doesn't mean we can't connect with God and connect with each other and reach people around us. When Jesus told Peter that the gates of hell itself would not prevail against his church, he meant it. We're still here. Church is happening to push back our fear. Church is happening so that we can get a divine perspective to a world gone wild. The church didn't stop with coronavirus. It just got stronger. It wasn't held back, it reached farther. We weren't suppressed. We were unleashed. We don't have to be alone. We're still on mission in your kitchen, in your living room, and on your phone, and on your big screen, in your hospital room, and in the nursing home, and in the prison. Your church is still here. Welcome to church. We are so glad that you are here with us. We just want to encourage you to sing along with us and raise your hallelujah to the Lord with us.
sing a little louder. church. We're glad you've joined us. I hope you'll sing a little louder and raise your hallelujah from wherever you are today. Engage with us. Stay focused. Participate in the chat online and expect to experience the presence of God. Today is Mother's Day and many of us will celebrate much differently this year due to limitations on travel and social distancing but we want to take a moment to honor and remember the moms soaking up baby cuddles and getting up multiple times throughout the night and the women who long to have that opportunity. Moms watching babies learn to crawl and take their first steps and say their first words and those who have suffered the pain of miscarriage. Moms who are helping teenagers learn to drive and prepare for college and to step into the world on their own and those whose children never got that chance. Everybody who will call or visit their mom today to say Happy Mother's Day and those who no longer have that opportunity. Whether you celebrate this day with joy or you grieve a loss or navigate a mixture of both, we honor you today. And if you'll join me, I'd like to pray for you right now. God, we are grateful 
for what we do have, and we acknowledge what we lack. Thank you, God, for the gifts you've given us, and help us to seek you where needed. As we rejoice in the good, we long to see restoration and redemption in what's hard. Help us delight in the love and support you offer us through the gift of maternal love. We trust your goodness and the kindness of your mercy, and we thank you for it. Amen. the work of your 
Welcome to church. Man, we are celebrating because there is a reason to celebrate today. The power of God in us makes us sing hallelujah. Praise we can't not right. do it. That's right. And I'm right, guys. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm Brian Pope, and I get to pastor our Powhatan campus here at PCC, and I want to welcome you here today from wherever you're joining us from. And hey, there's a special way for you to fill out a welcome card right there on your screen right now, and we encourage you to do that. Tell us where you're joining from. And we want you to know that we're here for you for anything that you might need. Just reach out. And I'm Brian Hughes. I'm the senior pastor here. And I know you're already glad you came to church today. I think you'll, you'll be glad you came to church today through the entire service. But look, can we just take a time out for just a second? Because you ever seen people do this on TV? And I always wanted to do it. So I've, I'm just going to do it now. Here, here, we go. here we go. I just want to say to my mom, <laughs> happy Mother's Day. And I want to say to my mother-in-law, you made the best person I have ever known. I just want to say happy Mother's Absolutely. Day to you. You want to do hey, that? Hey, I want to do that as well. Mom, I love you. All the way from Virginia to Florida, I'm so glad that you're joining us this morning. And for my mother-in-law, Nancy, who's joining us right here in Powhatan. So for all the moms, we also want to say happy Mother's Day. We're so glad. If you're, if you're here with us right now, we feel honored that you took some time in your special day to join us for church. Speaking of church, what's on everybody's mind right now yes. is... When are we going to be able to physically Absolutely. come back and do church? I know this has been a great online experience, and for some of us, this is how we do church. But some of us are craving coming back with a little bit of physical connection. And so I want to answer the question for you. I can answer it. It might not be all that satisfying, but I can answer it. And I mean every word of what I'm about to say. We're going to have physical church. We're going to do physical church as soon as we possibly can. As soon as we possibly safely can, as soon as we possibly legally can, and as soon as we possibly can and still be us. Now, there are a lot of qualifiers in those three things, and, and even though the governor of Virginia, which is where our physical campuses are, uh, sort of loosened up a little bit yesterday, it, there's a lot there to unpack. There, it's very complicated how we are able to come back together, and what we want you to know is that it is the conversation right now, and all yes. of our leadership teams all around our church, we are trying to figure out how we can come back to church. When, Brian? As soon as, as soon we as we can. possibly can, as soon as we possibly safely can, as soon as we possibly legally can, and as soon as we possibly can and still be us in the meantime. Don't miss an opportunity to stay connected with our church through our daily worship, our small groups, our midweek uh, experience, which we call Thrive, and of course, being here every Sunday. That's right. Stay, stay connected, not just for yourself, but for others. One of our purposes here at PCC is that we are to be the change in the world out there. And we're offering lots of opportunities for you to do that right now. This week, we launched a hygiene drive for the homeless folks in our areas. And you can be part of that. Every physical campus, all you have to do is go to pccwire.net. There's information there about drop-off sites. And our food pantry here at the Powhatan campus is still going strong, but we put it on wheels. And we're helping out in Buckingham and Fluvanna counties with a mobile food pantry right now. So look, when you're out and about safely traveling and, and making that trip to the store and practicing social distancing, hey, look, grab a little extra food, grab something to help out, maybe a tube of toothpaste or a personal hygiene item. Drop it by one of our drop-off locations and you can be part of changing somebody's life who needs it right now. But look, even if you can't do those things, I want you to know you're already partnering with us because when you give here, part of your offering goes to help our community. It goes to help families that we're helping right now with those things I've already mentioned. So I want to thank you today for investing, for loving, and for your generosity to help people in the world around you. And I'd like to ask, Brian, would you pray yeah. for us today? Yeah, let's do that. Let's pray together. 
God, in this uh, troubled moment that we're in, in the whole world right now, many of us feel that not as a headline in the news, but as a very personal experience. And so we just want to reach deep into our souls and say thank you for what we do have today. And thank you most especially that you've blessed us with the presence of yourself. And so God, we pray that we would be generous today, even, even in the turmoil, even in the fear, even in the unknown, so that we could expand your kingdom, so that we could help people in your great name. Thank you, Lord, for blessing each of us, for blessing our church today. We echo the words of the song we just sang, you are so good. No matter what, God, you're so good. And we thank you for that. We thank you for this privilege that we have right now to give, to help people around us. And so we thank you, God. We thank you for blessing us through the power and in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. How great the power of the blood. Whoa. I'm Jeremy Ford. I'm Mark Tapscott. And we are here to try and discern just how much pressure, how much tension are you going through at home? Mark, do you have any kind of situations at home that are causing tension? Got a little bit of stress. A just bit of a stress. few? A little bit. Let's see, what kind of things? Like maybe um, having your kids at home all the time. Maybe it's uh, having the TV on all day long. It's mm. causing me some stress. Little, little, I might need an extra one for that for the Netflix binge. <laughs> uh, or how about a little stress at home with your spouse? Maybe grab two or three rubber bands for that one, I'm thinking. Uh, do, we, do they have one that looks <laughs> like an inner tube? Uh, how about uh, not being able to go out to eat? I, I'm just, that's causing me oh, some stress. Oh yeah, sitting down in a restaurant. Yes. What about telecommuting? Being stuck? Zoom meetings. <laughs> oh, let's don't get me started on that. Zoom meetings and more Zoom meetings. And Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. Not being able to see your friends. Hmm. Grocery shopping with social distancing. Ah, or just social distancing. <laughs> Did I mention stress with your spouse? I think that might need another one. Hey, Jeremy, weren't you going on a, uh, a cruise in March? Let's not talk about the tension over vacations right now. Vacation stress. Yes. I have also been stress eating. Stress eating? Yes. 
which is starting to cause tension with my pants. <laughs> what about the stay at home order? That oh. might cause a little tension. That's true. Sure it's flowing now though. Yeah, there's a steady stream of... Yeah, it's over there. I can see it on this front side. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> ah, got a little on you, did you? A little tension at home. Ah. <laughs> Well, that wasn't a trick. As that actually happened, and it's not that hard to do. So listen, kids, this is on the house. Your parents, your mom for Mother's Day would love for you to get a watermelon. It takes between 600 and 800 rubber bands to cause the watermelon to explode. And so it takes a while to get them on there, but it could be a fun, your mom would love this. Like just get her near the watermelon and have at it. Let's take a look at some behind the scenes shots here. So these are two of our campus pastors. It's Jeremy Ford, scared to death. So I don't know what happened to faith over fear here, but clearly he's terrified. Let's, let's look at Mark Tapscott. Mark is just trying to run away, run away from the trouble. But the, this is the shot that I thought was really, really fascinating. Notice that the watermelon explodes and it, it gets actually on them so fast, they haven't reacted yet. They, the, the danger happens before they even know it. This, by the way, this ball of rubber bands, this is the actual, that's this ball right here. The rubber bands collapsed and took the watermelon out, but the tension of the, water, uh, the rubber bands kind of stayed intact. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I want you to think about, I want you to remember the good old days. You know, six weeks ago, the good old days, when kids got up with an alarm and maybe a little yelling, brushed their teeth and their hair with a little nudging, ate their breakfast with a little prodding, went to school with a little crying, and when it was over, moms and dads waved at them with a little smiling. You know, the good old days, when you kissed your honey goodbye in the morning, you went off to make a living and came home 10 hours later to catch up with each other. How was your day was the gateway to reconnecting. You know, the good old days when you said things like, I just wish we had more time together. The good old days when there was never a second thought or a raised eyebrow between a husband and a wife when she said, hey, I'm going to the grocery store, or he said, I'm going fishing with the fellas. The good old days when we met each other on courts to shoot hoops, when basketball wasn't virtual, when actual baseballs whipped through the air from hand to glove, the good old days, when we had our own space, our own schedule, our own lane, the good old days when single folks retreated to their castles when they needed some alone time and met and hosted friends and family in between all the time, those were the good old days. And they probably will return again someday, sooner rather than later, I hope, I know you do too, but in the meantime, the good old days of space were replaced by the new reality of stress. It's almost like the walls inside our homes got knocked down 
And now we live in one big box where we all just work and play in the same room. Most of us weren't cut out to be teachers, which is why in the good old days there were teachers. Most of us weren't cut out to work from home, which is why in the good old days we had offices. Most of us weren't cut out to be together 24-7, which is why we had teachers and offices and work teams and friends. And all of this means tension at home is rising to epic levels. Now, to be sure, some of us have figured out how to navigate this with poise. We've taken it all in stride after the initial shock of coronavirus and stay-at-home orders. Some of us are figuring out a new normal that includes homeschooling and living and working together and a new way to organize and schedule and work the problem. And I love people like you. I want to be like you. But there's a growing group of folks who just can't take it anymore, and I'm one of them. I am beyond ready for this pandemic to be in our rearview mirror. And that's okay. If you're like me, it is okay. What's not okay is for us to channel the tension that we feel towards the people that we love and target our family with it. And that is happening exponentially. You've seen the curve, right? The coronavirus curve where the cases started out with a slow incline and then they doubled every day and they shot up literally off the chart. Well, that's happening with family tension, too. And just like with the virus, what we need to do is flatten the curve. Fortunately, just like anything else we face in life, the Bible has just the right words for us, the perfect instruction for this very moment, because while there wasn't COVID in the first century, there definitely was plenty of family tension. So I'm asking you to lean in and grab some of this truth and hear the timeless words of the Bible speak to us today. Let me offer a quick disclaimer first. Not everyone is going to see every one of the topics I'm going to hit on in the next few minutes the same way. For some of us, it might be easy for you to say, gosh, this really doesn't completely apply to me. Maybe I'm not married or I don't have kids. But there are people around you, all around you, who are struggling with this. So it will apply to all of us in some way. Stay with me. We'll grow together. In order for us to reduce and manage tension at home, the first thing we have to do is remember our commitment. We have to remember our commitment. See, most of us have said something like, I didn't sign up for this. We've said it about something during this pan pandemic. I didn't sign up to be a homeschool teacher. I didn't sign up to spend this much time with my husband. I didn't sign up to have my space invaded. I didn't sign up to have my parents standing over my shoulder and watching my every move. If you've said any of those things, with all due respect, you're wrong. And I want to show you why I would say that. This comes from the words of the Bible, words you may have heard before. It goes like this, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous, it's not conceited, it's not proud. Love is not moody, it's not selfish, it's not irritable. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Love is not happy with evil, but it is happy with truth. Love never gives up. It always protects, always tr trusts, always hopes. Love never fails. You may not have envisioned being a homeschool teacher. You might not have trained for it, you might not have planned for it, but you did sign up for it. When you saw your child for the very first time, 
and you committed in your heart in the deep recesses of your soul to love him, when you knew that you loved her, you did say something like, I would do anything for this child. Now, you might not have thought that would have included homeschooling, but anything means anything. And importantly, that's exactly what God wants us to know through this very important text from 1 Corinthians 13. Love never fails. Love puts the object of our love in a higher position than ourselves. So what did we sign up for with love? Anything. Everything. Whatever is needed. Whatever is required. Even when that means a genuine, costly sacrifice from you. Susan and I keep our granddaughter Kinsley on Friday so that our daughter can go to work. And I, I just confess to you, I look forward to this all week long. She's nine months old. She just started walking and talking. And Kinsley and I have this game that we play. I've, I taught it to her from when she was the tiniest thing. She would come to me and put her head on my chest. And as long as her head is on my chest, I sing to her. And as she picks her head up, I stop singing. And she goes over and over again. Now when she comes to me, she comes head down just so that I'll sing. And I am totally smitten. I am completely in love. I, I leaned over to Susan recently and I said, look, I, I got to say something to you that I never thought would come out of my mouth, but there's another girl in my life. Just before we had to shut down the physical locations, I was, uh, one Sunday I was talking to a person in our church who had seen a picture of Kensley and me on Facebook and this person also has grandkids. And so she says to me, I told my kids that I think I love their kids more than I loved them. And I looked back at her and I said, I told my kids, if this is what love is, I'm not sure I ever loved you. But that's not true. Like every parent, I, I made sacrifices for my kids when they were growing up, and I was glad to do it. Sacrifices that they'll only understand when they pay the same kind of price for their own children. I would come home exhausted from a long, hard day at work, and there would be my kids standing at the front door, peering out the window and waiting for me. I'd pull in the driveway longing for some rest, and I just wanted to do absolutely nothing. And then I would take a deep breath, seeing their faces, and I would open the car door, and I would run to my second job, the more important job, by the way, because I liked my work, but I loved my children. And they deserve not a half-dad or a make-excuses dad or an absent dad or a mad dad. They deserve the best dad. So I'd walk in the door, and they'd look up at me, and they'd say, Daddy, can we play beat you up? I already felt beat up from working 12 hours, but love is not self-serving. You bet, I would say. You bet. And we'd run around, and we'd roll on the floor, and we'd play hide-and-seek, and we'd read books, and occasionally we'd break stuff. And I didn't care about any of that. I was determined my home would not be a museum. It would be a fun house, and it was a fun house, and it still is. In fact, my, my family came over, my kids came over for dinner just a couple of weeks ago, and we were throwing the ball in the living room. And I thought to myself, we might break something. Yeah, like the good old days. Moms and dads, you said you loved your kids. I know you love your kids. And I know it can be tense at home right now, so come back. Come back to the commitment that you made to them because love is a blank check. It's a promise of anything needed. You didn't know what you were signing up for with love, but what you're doing right now, it's it. 
And you're going to look back and you're going to be glad that you gave your kids everything you had in this moment. It's not your kid's fault that they're home and they can't play sports and they can't go to school and they can't be with their friends. So you're it. Teacher, coach, playmate, scheduler, chef, servant, all of it. Why? Not because of obligation, but because you love them. And kids, little kids and big kids, even college age young adults who are home against what you wanted to happen, can I just ask you to give your parents some grace? Cut them a little slack. This is hard on them too. Did you know that one of the Ten Commandments, that's the Ten Commandments, one of them is to honor your father and mother. It's the only one of the Ten Commandments, by the way, that comes with a promise of a better life if you'll do it. It's almost like God throws in a bonus for you. He knew it would be so hard. So love your parents. Right now, many of us would say that we love our families. We'd say we love our parents and our kids and our spouses. We wouldn't hesitate to say it, but frankly, we're not all behaving with love. And love is a cheap word without action. So love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or conceited or proud. Love is not moody or selfish or irritable. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Love is not happy with evil, but it is happy with truth. Love never gives up. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. Love never fails. Husbands and wives, to flatten the curve, we need a technique. We need a truth. We need this principle. We need to serve each other. This wasn't easy before the world fell apart. It's particularly challenging now because we're all home together all the time, and most of us weren't used to that. And, and frankly, too much togetherness is strangely driving some couples apart. Worse, Many couples have increasing tension right now because they don't agree on how they should approach this moment in history. Can I go to the store? Can we visit our parents? Is our teenager allowed to go to work? Can I go back to work? Can I go golfing or fishing? Do we wear masks or not? On and on these questions go, and, and many couples are finding a huge chasm between them over these very questions. The Bible's solution? It has one, but you're not going to like it. Ephesians 5.21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another. The one another here is the key. So husbands and wives, I want you to listen up. Mutual submission is mutual. It's a competition not to get what I want, but to provide what you need. Let me say that again. It's a competition not to get what I want, but a competition to provide what you need. Look, I'm not trying to debate with the whole world about the appropriate response to coronavirus. It's complicated, I know. In all due respect, it's just not as simple as saying, stay home. People are trying to navigate going to work and pit that against their family's very survival, including questions of potential homelessness 
and hunger. We know because we see it at our food pantry. So simply telling everybody to stay home no matter what lacks a complete understanding of the existential issues that some families are facing right now. People do need to be healthy. And that means physical health for sure, but it also means emotional and mental and spiritual health too. So to stay or to go is a complex question. On the other hand, you are not really living on planet Earth to deny that this virus is real and serious and dangerous. Think about this. The prospect of twice as many people dying from this virus in six months as were killed in the entire Vietnam War over 16 years is shocking. It ought to be shocking to all of us. So it should be no surprise that we have differences among us right now about what we all ought to do. Personal liberty versus public safety. It's not only a political question, it is a personal question. And husbands and wives are at the epicenter of that question. So the real question for us, if we're going to be faithful at home, is how do we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ when we don't agree. It's easy to do when we do agree. How do we do it when we disagree? And more broadly, how do we do this when it comes to other issues that we disagree about? It's not just about coronavirus, and that's a great question. In fact, I would argue that practicing this text is central to a great marriage, pandemic or not. Susan and I have made this text a very key part of our marriage, and I frankly think it's a secret to how our marriage has been great. The word submission here has fallen out of favor in modern English after a few centuries of oppressing women with a misinterpretation of the Bible. I can totally understand that. See, pastors and priests who were all men in the past, by the way, used to conveniently skip the verse that we just read, and they just go straight to verse 22. Verse 22 says, wives, submit to your husbands as you do to God. Truth be told, verse 21, the idea of submit to one another was rarely, if ever, mentioned. So after a few generations, it looked like wives ought to submit to their husbands, but husbands got a pass on the whole submission thing. And that was never God's intent. As a matter of fact, it was an abuse of what God had in mind. So submission was always supposed to be mutual. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, to one another, to each other. When I served Susan... I am serving God. Because in the most important human-to-human -human relationship that God created, mutual submission was supposed to be the defining characteristic. That's how it was supposed to work. Therefore, I'm not serving her over God. I'm serving God through serving her. Do you see? Susan gets the priority over every other human relationship. I have my phone on silent mode, but it's still on. I usually turn it off for church, but I left it on for a reason. I'm, I'm about to get a text from Susan, and I want you to hear it. We'll let her message be between me and her, but the sound you just heard, that's the queen's horn. That's what I call it. It's not really what it's called, but I found it in my ringtones, and I thought it conveyed just the right message to my mind about her. She's the only one that has it in my phone. And, and at first, it was a funny thing, and then something happened, and, and it became sort of an auto-response inside of me. When I hear the queen's horn, everything else is less important. 
The queen's horn overrides silent mode on my phone. It doesn't just demand my attention. It deserves my attention. Why? That's easy for me. At our wedding 30 years, four months, and four days ago today, I made a promise that serving her would be my very priority, that I would submit to her out of reverence for Christ. In fact, I feel so strongly about this that, every, that today at every wedding that I do, I make this statement to the bride and the groom in front of all their family and friends. I say, the needs of the one standing next to you now outweigh all other needs, including your own, from this day forward until death do you part. I believe that because I believe in marriage. And I believe that God created it to be the most important human relationship that there is. Like, I love my kids. I would die for my kids without hesitation. I certainly have sacrificed for them and glad to do it like every parent does. But Susan's needs outweigh theirs to me, and they know it. And I want my kids to know it because I want them to marry someone with the exact same level of priority for them that I have for their mom. I love my job. I love what I get to do here. I love leading here and serving here and helping advance the kingdom of God through our church. I love getting to be a part of seeing life change happen before our very eyes and knowing that God used us to be a part of it. But if one day Susan said she needed me to quit, if she really needed me to quit, there'd be a resignation letter written before the day was over. She is my number one human priority, and she knows it, and everyone else in my life knows it too. But here's the best part. Marriage working at its best means that I am her priority too. Those, all those things I said about me serving her needs, the same is true in reverse. My need is her priority too. And in this way, I get to be her number one. Especially right now. Husbands and wives, you need to reconcile this. Submitting to her outranks my fear. Submitting to him outweighs my concern. And practically speaking, this is how Susan and I figured this out. We say, we have this saying, we say, if it matters to you, it matters to me. If it matters to you, it matters to me. We've, we use this technique even before coronavirus, but it's especially important right now, and I want to show you how it works. It goes like this. We're moving through our day or our week. Maybe Susan has said something I didn't hear, Maybe she dropped a subtle hint about something that she likes or doesn't like. Maybe I blew her off, or maybe I thought she was kidding. And most important things aren't that important. I mean, you have to pick your battles. You can't die on every hill. So she lets a lot of stuff go, and, and maybe she lets some other things go that even kind of matter to her. But when she looks me in the eye and she says, hey, hey, this matters to me. Well, that's code language for me. When she says those words, I am 100% engaged. I drop everything else and I respond like this. If it matters to you, it matters to me. That goes for kids, work, money, in-laws, schedules, lifestyle, where we live, and pandemics. If it matters to you, it matters to me. We talked about this at a marriage retreat we did a couple of months ago, back when you know, life was normal, we could meet together. And somebody asked at the end of the marriage retreat, they said, what if it matters to both of you and you disagree? Who wins? I thought it was a great question. It is a great question. And here's my answer. If you allow the issue, whatever it is, to divide your marriage, then whatever you get when you win, you still lose. You still lose. 
I can't ever think of a time when I weighed the thing that I wanted and it was more important to me than Susan. So when both of you are practicing, if it matters to you, it matters to me, you can't lose. You can't. Because both of you are working towards the same goal. You're both working towards submitting to each other out of reverence and respect for God, the same God who gave you each other. If you have tension in your marriage, you ought to start right here. Just talk about this. Start right here. Just agree to try to live like this for one day. It might seem impossible, but it's not. Maybe you could consider making, a, making an appointment with a marriage counselor. Yes, even in the middle of a pandemic, counselors are still talking to people. Nothing else is more important. And for those of you, can I just say, for those of you who have shied away from marriage counseling because you just determined you can fix this yourself, but this has been going on for years and years, or it's really intense, or it's really bad, could you just set your ego aside long enough to get some help? You'd do that if you needed medical help. And what's more important right now than making your marriage the best it can possibly be? Get some help. One final note about managing tension at home. You need to take a time out sometimes but not in the way that you think. This is what Jesus meant by time out. He said, come to me, Jesus is talking now, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You know what's happening right now for many of us? We would define it with a word like chaos uncertainty, everybody being crammed together, not always agreeing. One of the most effective tools in your arsenal is to call for a timeout, not simply for you to step away, but so that you can center yourself. Because God is not a concept. He's a voice you can hear. He's a presence you can feel. He's a direction you can gain. He's a gentle rest-giving, burden-reducing, soul-restoring, wisdom-granting, love-creating, living God who will give you perspective if you will refuse to run away from the tension but run towards God in it. He has the answers you need. But you have to let Him embrace you. You have to let Him speak to you. Let Him calm you. Let Him remind you. What I've shared with you today are practical tools for your family relationships, but the most powerful thing you can do is utilize the right tools for your spiritual relationship. Because you have to have a conversation with your spouse, but before you do that, you got to take time to pray. You got to figure out how to get along with your kids, how to get along with your parents, how to make your family right, but before you can do all that, you got to take a time out so you can pray. Start by reading some scripture. The scripture I shared with you today from 1 Corinthians 13. Maybe read it every day and ask God to empower you with love like that. To help those not be words, but actions that you exemplify with your life. You can do that. If we allow the love of God to transform us internally, we will see the results externally. Starting at home, it can happen. Don't say it can't. It will happen if you'll let God do that in you. And so to that end, I'm going to ask you 
to pray with me. If you're with your family, pray with me together. If you're by yourself, pray with me. Let's do it right now. God, you, you're the one that invented love. You define love. You are love. And we need your love inside of us. We do want to see it around us, God. But more than that, we long to be an agent of that kind of love. Love that is not selfish. Love that is not moody. Love that is not irritable. But love that puts the object of our love above ourselves. Love that serves, that protects, that hopes. Love that never fails. Give us that kind of love. Help us to have it for our families. Help us to not be wrecked and ruined and divided by coronavirus, but united by the love of Jesus, the power of his love living inside of us. May that be the defining characteristic of our lives for some of us beginning right now, beginning this day. And we thank you for it in advance. In the name of Jesus, amen. The key to your family being whole and right and awesome, the key to the future is the right relationship with God. It's at the center of all of it. If we can get that right, we can have an incredible family relationship in every aspect. So we've got some tools for you. This coming Wednesday, we're going to do a praying together opportunity with our kids. We're going to teach you how to pray with your kids. And so let me just encourage you to come and be a part of that because it's not just about your kids. It's also about you. That's the secret to it. We're teaching our church, trying to help you stay connected with each other, yes, but with God too. So come to daily worship with us. Come to our midweek service, and we call it Thrive. It's on Thursday evenings. Don't miss a Sunday. Get in a small group. Together, we'll connect with God. And we can't go wrong there. So I do hope to see you uh, next Sunday. I do hope to see you Thursday night. I hope to see you Wednesday at this seminar. But tomorrow morning at 7.30, let's begin our day and our week together with some worship. Beth and I will be there looking forward to seeing you on our PCC Facebook page. In the meantime, hope you have a great Mother's Day. We'll see you soon.